Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Good morning, Pathways. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Praise God, I'm excited to be here today. Sounds like y'all excited to have me back. Praise God. Wisconsin is definitely one of my homes. Um, if you're new to the family of Pathways, let me introduce myself. My name is DeRay. I was on staff here for about five years. It was just recently this past summer that my family and I, we moved back to Florida to be closer to family. And uh, speaking of family, I do want to share, share some uh, recent photos. And I'm going to be honest with you, church. I tried to find one good photo that had all of us in it. And I was not successful in doing that, okay? And I'm going to be honest, the problem was me. A lot of times, the problem is me, okay? I'm just not great at taking pictures. I'm good behind the camera, but in front, if it's not preaching God's word, like, you know, I'm the one that's going to blink at the wrong time. I'm going to have the weird, quirky face. So I got a few pictures here for you today. This first one is my, my lovely daughter, Lanila. She is 13, and she turns 14 next month. And I'm going to brag on her for a little bit, okay? I'm going to brag on her for a little bit. Last year in August, she started eighth grade. Uh, We put her in a charter school, and we thought it would be a great fit for us, but it turned out that it wasn't. And that's another story for another day, but we decided to put her into a Christian academy. And the Christian academy, they said, hey, we don't have any more room in eighth grade, but we we do have room in ninth grade. So we'll test her, and if she scores high enough, we'll put her in ninth grade. So she was nervous at first, but my baby girl, she went in there. She took the test, and she came out on top, and so now my daughter's in ninth grade. She's in high school now. Super excited about that, and uh, we got report cards back a few months ago, and she's an A, B honor roll, okay? I'm I'm so grateful to God. And this next photo is my wife and I, my lovely, beautiful wife. I got to throw that in there, Um, but I love my wife. She's always in support of my, my vision, my dreams. Uh, she's like the strongest woman I know. Um, so I love this photo because there's just so much joy and so much love in her eyes. And here is why. Voila. We got a new addition to the family. Yes. This is my youngest daughter, Lalani. And you can see why we moved back home. We needed some help with these kids. Okay. Um, she is sweet, but she is fierce. Okay. she when she's, when she's not happy, she's not happy, okay? So um, you'll see we got my wife, Lakita, my oldest, La Nyla, my youngest, La Lani, and we got a chihuahua that is very much a part of our family, and her name is Layla. So you see there's a pattern there, right? And I would be honest, I'm outnumbered in my house. I'm outnumbered in my home. Um, I was trusting God for a man child, but he, he had something else in mind. I give them all the glory. I love my my little baby girl. I got one more picture for you. This is like my favorite photo in this season. This is Lilani being captivated by one of her books. And I thought about this picture so much as I was preparing for today's message. It just reminds me to be captivated by God's word. Now, before we jump in, I do want to pray. Uh, So if you bow your heads with me. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share your word today. I pray that the hearts of your people are ready to receive. Uh, Decrease in me, Lord, or rather, allow me to decrease and you increase in me, Lord. Bring back to my memory everything that you've prepared through me today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 
So we have been in a series centered around the book of Ezra. And the series has been divided into two parts. The first four weeks, the theme was new beginning. And I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of the messages in the first four weeks, go back and listen to them. You can find it on the website or on the YouTube channel. There might be something in there that can bless your life. But today begins part two, and the theme is when God moves. Because see, the book of Ezra is very much a story about new beginnings, about hope and restoration and God moving. See, God is still moving today, church. He's moving to rebuild the lives of people, to rebuild families, to rebuild marriages. God is moving and healing brokenhearted people. He's moving and bringing freedom to those that are in bondage. God is moving and rebuilding lives, rebuilding people from past regrets, past decisions, and and, and, uh, tragedies from the past. God is still moving, but why? It's because of his purpose and his glory. And it's important that I say that, church, because sometimes we can talk about what God has done for us and what he He's going to do for us as though it is about us, that it's purely about us, but it's not. And I don't say that to imply that God does not care about you, that he does not care about us. God loves us. The Bible said that he loves us, he loved us first, that he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son to die for us, to reconcile us back to God. The Bible said that no greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. That's what he did for us. He laid down his life. So indeed, God loves his people. But we have to keep the main thing the main thing. And it's, it's for his purpose and his glory. So why did God restore Israel and initiate the rebuilding of the temple? For his purpose and for his glory. And this brings me to my first point today, church. Don't miss out on a move of God in your life because you're more concerned about what he can do for you rather than what he wants to do in you and through you. I'm going to read that again for my note takers. Don't miss out on a move of God in your life because you're more concerned about what he can do for you rather than what he wants to do in you and through you for his glory. See, sometimes we can be so in pursuit of the blessing that we we miss the blesser. We can be so in pursuit of God's gift that we, we move right past the gift giver. We can be so in pursuit of what he has for us that we forget that God has called us and he wants to do something in us and he wants to do something through us. So it's for his glory. It's for his purpose. See, we have to shift our focus because if we don't, church, we might miss it. We might miss the move that God is trying to make in our lives. See, the people of Israel, upon returning to Jerusalem, they had the right focus. They had the right priorities. How do we know that? Because the Bible says that they gathered together and they started building the altar. Because they, see, they understood that that's what got them in trouble. That's what got them in exile. The fact that they got away from the worship of God, they got away from his laws and his commands. So when they got back home, they started to build the altar. And I'm going to spend most of my time in chapter 4 today, but I want to read a verse from chapter 3 that I believe is key to our discussion today in chapter 4. So we're going to read Ezra chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed 
burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and the evening sacrifices. So they were afraid of the people around them in the land, but they did not allow that fear to cripple them. They did not allow that fear to prevent them from doing what God has called them to do, what God wanted them to do. And that made me consider this question today, church. How often do we allow fear to get in the way of us doing what God wants us to do? Sit with that for a second. How often do we allow fear to prevent us from doing what God wants us to do? Maybe we fear what people might say, what people might do. It's common for when you draw closer to God, it's common for you to have relationships in your life that you might need to let go of. Perhaps they can't have the same place in, their life, in your life that they used to. Are you afraid of what they might say? Are you afraid of what they might do? Maybe God is stirring in your heart to make some life changes, to make some decisions, and maybe you're accustomed to being able to predict the outcomes, to being able to, to uh, be in control. So maybe you fear the outcomes. You fear the unknown. Church, I'm not sure how and to what frequency fear might show its face in your life, but this I am sure of, that if we're going to be a people in pursuit of God's will for our lives, we cannot allow fear to get in the way of our obedience. If we're going to be a people in pursuit of God's will for our lives, we cannot allow fear to get in the way of our obedience to God. We cannot. We cannot allow fear. I'm not sure if you've caught this revelation yet, but as a people, we should be in pursuit of God and his will for our lives. See, when you accept the gift of salvation, the free gift, and you enter into the kingdom of light, it just doesn't stop there. Now it's a journey. It's a journey to become the person he's called you to be, to grow and to develop. And we are not able to do that. We're not going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to be those people if we allow fear to get in the way of our obedience. So the people of Israel, despite their fear of the people around them, they built the altar on its foundation. And the story continues. They complete the foundation of the temple. There was a great sound of joy, a great sound of praise. But even among the praise, there was also weeping from the older generation because they saw the first temple. The Bible says that there was so much shouting that you couldn't distinguish the shouts of joy from the weeping of the people. The sound was heard from far away. So that, that basically was a recap of chapters 1 through 3. Now we pick it up in Ezra chapter 4. And what we will see in chapter 4 is that the children of Israel experienced opposition to the rebuilding of the temple. And we should understand that in our own lives, we're going to experience challenges. There's going to be things that oppose us. And we have a spiritual enemy that is working against us. Now, Ezra chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, says, When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard the exiles were building the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel. Remember, Zerubbabel was one of the initial leaders that supervised the reconstruction of the temple. He was the governor of Judah. So they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let us build because like you, we seek your God and have sacrificed to him since the time of Ezahardun, the king of Assyria, who brought us here. 
See, church, this is interesting because in verse 1, the Bible acknowledges them to be enemies. But in verse 2, we see the enemy offering help. So why would the enemy be offering help? See, they wanted to help rebuild the temple because they wanted to sabotage the temple. So in essence, what they were attempting to do was to deceive the leaders of Israel. And that brings us to our next point, which is we have to be careful not to fall victim to the deceptive lies of the enemy. Don't fall victim to the deceptive lies of the enemy. The enemy wants to deceive you. The Bible says that the devil is a liar, that he is the father of lies. And oftentimes he tries to package that lie in truth. So on the outside, you think you're getting something good for you. You think you're getting something helpful, but we have to understand nothing that the enemy presents to you, nothing that he tries to sell you, nothing that he pitches to you is good for you. We have to be careful not to fall victim to the deceptive lies of the enemy. And one of the keys to that is to know the truth of God's word. Because see, church, it's hard to be deceived when you know the truth. Amen? Now, Ezra chapter 4, verse 3, let's continue reading. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the family answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. So the Jewish leaders, they saw through the deception. They basically was like, no thanks, like, nah, I'm good. But now the enemy didn't just quit, right? They implemented another tactic. Look at what happened next in verse 4 and 5. It says, then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed the officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So see in the text, the surrounding enemies did not just quit. They couldn't deceive the leaders, so they went on to discourage the people. And we have to understand, likewise, the enemy isn't just going to quit after you make your first stance against him. He's going to come back at you. He might work through people. He might come back in the form of discouragement. And that brings us to our next point, which is simply this. Don't allow the enemy to discourage you. Don't allow him to discourage you. Don't let him talk you out of doing what God has called you to do. Don't let them discourage you and have you to focus on what's not right in your life that you miss what God is trying to do in your life right now. Don't give up. Yes, you might have been through some things. You might have some traumas in your past. They might have said things about you. They might have done things to you. But you can still be who God is calling you to be now. You can still have peace in your life. You can still have joy in your life. You can still have love in your life. You can still be who God is calling you to be. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because, see, oftentimes when we become discouraged, what happens next is that we quit. We quit. And that's exactly what the people of Israel did. They quit. If you continue reading in, the, in, in chapter 4 of Ezra, we'll see that the rebuilding of the temple stopped, church. After all that momentum, after returning back to Jerusalem, after being freed and liberated, after building the altar, after laying the foundation, after having a praise party to God so loud that it's heard in the land, opposition comes, they get discouraged, and they stop. They stop building 
the temple. And it was primarily because of discouragement. The, the, the building actually stopped for almost two decades. And God rose up a prophet named Haggai to say to God's people, you've not only been discouraged, but because of your inactivity, you've become distracted. Let's read Haggai chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Declares the Lord, declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. See, what happened was that the people of Israel were experiencing so much opposition, the lies, the intimidation, the threats, that they basically just shifted their focus. They said, hey, let's focus on our own houses. They got distracted. They, they got distracted by building their own houses rather than the house of God. So our next point is simply this. Don't allow the enemy to distract you. See, in the text, they were focusing on their houses. And maybe that's not what it is literally for you. Maybe you're not missing church to go to Home Depot and Lowe's because you got this big project at home you got to do. But is there something in your life that you're giving more attention to that's getting in the way of you giving God the proper attention in your life? No, God does not want you to quit your job, go home, close the door, close the windows, turn on worship music, pray all day, fast all day. Uh, read all day, and that's your entire life. No, he wants you to do life. Do life with the people around you. Go to work. Have a family. Enjoy yourself. But God has got to be first in your life. And it's easy to say that with our lips, but so much harder to back it up with our actions. He wants to be first in our lives. And what we need to understand, what we fail to understand sometimes is that our relationship with God is actually the relationship that has the ability to impact every other area of your life. If you gave your relationship with God the proper focus, the proper attention, you'll find that it will bless other areas of your life. So, for example, if I wanted to work on my marriage, I can't just simply give my wife more time and just deny my relationship with God. No, I do need to give my wife more time, but I also need to give my relationship with God the proper attention. Because, see, when I grow in my relationship with God and I draw closer to him, I put on more of his character, more of his essence. And I'm able to turn around and love my wife in a greater way. I'm able to love her as Christ loved the church. I thought I'll get some more amens from the wives. Amen. So that's just one practical example of how your relationship with God has the ability to impact other relationships and other areas of your lives. See, the children of Israel, they were busy, busy working on their own houses. And maybe some of us were missing that next step, that next step of serving in the house of God. See, our, there's many things that will grow you. The word of God will grow you. Prayer will grow you. Fasting will grow you. Worship will grow you. But you know what will also grow you? Getting beyond yourself and serving God's people. And some of us, that's the next, step, the next step that we need to take, serving in God's house. 
Some of us don't need another family outing. We don't need another activity, another thing to put our kids in. We just need to say, you know what? On this day, as a family, we're going to go serve. We're going to go serve in God's house. Oh, I'll take it. That's a good place to clap right there. Praise God. So don't allow the enemy to distract you. Now, I wouldn't be equipping you well as a Bible teacher today if I just came and said what not to do. Don't allow the enemy to cause you to walk in fear. Don't allow the enemy to deceive you. Don't allow the enemy to discourage you. Don't allow the enemy to distract you. If that's all I came here today and told you, I wouldn't really be equipping you, but I want to continue by giving you three keys to being prepared for opposition. It may come in the form of deception. It may come in the form of discouragement. It may come in the form of fear. It might come in the form of distraction. In whatever form it might come in, you need to be prepared. All right, so here are the the three keys. Number one, remember that God is with you. Remember what David said in Psalms 23, verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I would fear no evil, for you are with me. See, David understood that he did not have to fear because God was with him. And if we can remember and believe that wholeheartedly, that God is with us, then we don't have to be hindered by fear. See, I believe this is why the children of Israel in chapter 3, why they were afraid, because they probably did not believe that God was really with with them. But could could you blame them? They had been in exile for 70 years. So we have to remember that God is with us. And if he is calling you to do something, he's going to equip you to do it. God would not ask you to do something that you could not do. Now, you probably won't be able to do it on your own. You're going to need his strength and his ability. But if God has called you to do it, he's going to be with you. So again, number one is remember that God is with you. Now, number two is to submit yourself to God. Look at what it says in James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, some of us are not successful in resisting the enemy in different areas of our lives because we have not fully submitted to God. And what does that really mean? See, there's, God is calling us to live according to his word. And sometimes we live in ways that are not in alignment with the way that God is calling us to live. We have not submitted to him in that way. We have not submitted to his his will. We have not submitted to his ways. So when it's time to resist the enemy, we may not be successful in that because you have to first submit yourself to God. You have to first align your life with his word and with his ways. And I love what it says in verse eight. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That is so good, church. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. So that means that as I am moving and drawing nearer to God, he's actually drawing nearer to me. And you got to understand, God's not going to let you outdo him in anything. Okay? So when when you're drawing closer to God and you take a step, he's probably going to take multiple steps or bigger steps because he's not going to let you outdo you. He's not going to let you outdo him, rather. So as you draw closer to God, he is drawing closer to you. So what is God really saying? He's saying, just keep coming. Just keep coming. Don't give up. Don't be deceived. 
Don't be discouraged. Just keep coming. It will all work itself out. If you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. Just, just keep coming, church. Just keep coming. Draw near to God. Submit yourself to him. Resist the devil, and he will free from you. And now number three, give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So you might face opposition. You might have challenges. You might have setbacks. But you have to be capable of giving thanks even in that circumstance. See, it's so easy to give thanks when there's nothing negative going on in your life, when you're not going through anything. It's so easy to give thanks. But you have to be prepared to give thanks even in those circumstances. And why are you rejoicing always? Not because you're happy of what's happening to you, but you understand despite what's happening to you, you have reason to give God glory. It's a shift of focus. Rather than focusing on what's happening to you, you're going to focus on the goodness of God. You're going to rejoice always. You're going to pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. So again, to be prepared for opposition, you need to remember that God is with you. You need to submit yourself to God, and you need to be prepared to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, sometimes we look at opposition as though it is something to be eliminated, but oftentimes God calls us to endure opposition. Oftentimes God uses this in our lives to develop a greater spiritual maturity in us. So our final passage today, we're going to read James 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, that sounds like opposition to me. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be matured and complete, not lacking anything. I'm going to jump back to Haggai 1.9. The Lord just reminded me that I missed something. And I need y'all to get this. We're going to jump back. I don't want to miss this. It says, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty. So in Haggai 1.9, it seems like the Lord is actually opposing the people of Israel here. It says, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away, says the Lord. So could it be that our lives are not yielding everything that God has called it to yield in this season because we don't have the proper focus? We don't have, we're not giving our relationship with God the proper attention. 
that business that you've been trying to get off the ground, that you just, it just seems like it's not working, could it be that God is blowing on it? You got a full-time job and two part-time jobs, and you still seems like you just don't got enough money. Could it be that God is blowing on it? You, no matter how much you try to do for your kids and you try to let them know that you're there for them and you love them, you still can't get the respect you feel like you deserve. Could it be that God is blowing on it? If I read this properly, let me read it again. You expect much, but see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. To close, church, I want to do two things. I want to pray. But I also want to create a space for reflection. So just for a moment, I want you to ask God to search your life, to search your heart. Is there anywhere in your life that you might be giving into fear? Anywhere in your life that you might be being deceived, being discouraged? Maybe you're entertaining distractions. You've got the wrong focus. I just want to create a space for God to speak to you beyond what I've shared in the word today, in the message today. So take, take a few moments and just sit with God. I thank you for your word today. I thank you for how you're speaking to your people even beyond what you have allowed me to share today. Because we know and understand that it is really you that draws. It is really your Holy Spirit that draws a person onto you, Lord God. So Holy Spirit, open the eyes of their understanding, Lord God, to see the errors in their lives in which you are calling them higher, Lord, in which you are calling them deeper, Father. Because everyone in this room, you have a plan and a purpose for. Everyone watching online, you have a plan and a purpose for them. You've called them to something. I come against complacency. 
I come against distraction, deception, anything the enemy may use to work against us as your people, Father. We come against it right now in your mighty name, Lord. And we decree that today is going to be different. That after today, something's going to change. It's going to change because we are being changed. By your Holy Spirit right now, in your presence right now, we'll never be the same again. And I pray for anybody in the room today that may not know you, that may not have a personal relationship with you, Lord God, I pray that you would touch their hearts right now. You would touch their hearts right now, Lord. You will tug on them and you will pull them and you would draw them, Lord God, and they would feel your presence, Lord. They would feel you pulling at them, Lord God, to to, to accept you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that they would come out of this place and they would tell somebody about it. And they will be discipled. They will grow. Thank you again, Lord, for having a plan and a purpose for our lives. We love you. And help us to grow in the knowledge of your love for us. We pray these things today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Amen.